Welcome to Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. I'm your host, Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist and President and CEO of Paradium. My teams and I redefine success for purpose-driven families and businesses by challenging social norms and balancing family and finance to build kingdom impact and generational prosperity. I believe that there are families and businesses that have learned to give a new definition to the word success from a kingdom perspective. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 20 to 30 minutes where we take traditional thinking and turn it upside down. This is Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Redefining Success. Joining me today is Grammy-nominated, Dove Award-winning music and gospel artist, Jeff Pearls. We're going to have a great time. He and I were visiting before the show. He was already telling me things that God has been doing in his life to just kind of show him redefine success and help him kind of see some things that he wasn't seeing before. So you're going to want to stay tuned. Um, I made him stop telling the story because I was afraid he was going to use it all up. So Jeff, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Ah, well, we are we are honored ourselves. You said you'd listen to a couple episodes, so you know my first question. My first question is, we're, we're, it's Saturday afternoon. We got the barbecue going. I got burgers and hot dogs over on the grill, unless you prefer something else. But I've invited all my friends over. Would you please introduce yourself to my friends? Well, my name is Jeff Pearls. I'm originally from a little suburb of Portland, Oregon called Dundee. Okay. And uh, I grew up in a Christian home. My mother gave me a love for the Word of God, and my dad gave me a love for music. Mm. I remember as just a very small child when we go to church, uh, you know, in children's church, uh, my favorite part of the uh, the service for children's church was the mission story. I don't know if they still do that or not, but I was always intrigued with that. And so it's really no surprise that I grew up uh, becoming a minister of music and travel the world um, singing about the love of God to, to people around the world. Mm, mm, but that's not what you're doing today. Well, I'm doing a little bit of that today. Uh, still a little bit. Uh, okay. before, before COVID, before our world shut down, we were on the road 200 days a year. Wow. Um, yeah. And uh, then we sat home for 10 months, but uh, during the shutdown, but uh, we've been involved in writing gospel music and publishing Christian music, producing it, trying to help other people. Yeah. Uh, because I'm a firm believer when God blesses you, you need to pass it on, bless others. And uh, yep. so that's what uh, we've endeavored to do. We've been doing that now for about 35 years. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's it's been great. When I was seven years old, my first gospel quartet came to visit the little country church where we attended. Yep. And I was so intrigued with the bass singer. And I said, God, I said, let me become a bass singer. And you know, he did. <laughs> and that's what I, I can hear it. Yeah, I can hear it, did you? yeah. So uh, it's it's been a blessed life, and I've just enjoyed it. So I mean, music seems to be your passion. That seems to be your mm -hmm. how is tell us some of the ways. I mean, so you heard that gospel singer. Tell us a little bit of the story. Like, what was the journey like? Because I don't imagine that you end up touring the country that many days. Like that, you don't start out touring the country like that. 
No. Give us a little bit of kind of some of the ups and downs along the way. Well, my family and I, we had a gospel group when I was a kid. And okay. uh, so we got to travel the Pacific Northwest, mm. Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana was basically where we traveled. And, and my dad was also in the real estate business. And this was back in the uh, early to mid 80s. Okay. Well, you know what happened. Uh, we had the Great Recession of the 80s and interest yeah. rates went up to 18 to 20%. And uh, we wound up after a year and a half of uh, living, uh, renting this house, uh, we wound up homeless because our landlord could not, uh, you know, let us live there anymore. But he, he stuck with us for a year and a half. And yeah. uh, so we wound up living in a tent. And hmm. uh, yeah, and so, uh, but it was during that time that music um, really kept me encouraged, kept me close to the Lord, kept me in church, to be honest with you. Yeah. And so I, I have experienced firsthand the power of, of Christian music and uh, from the, you know, the highs and the lows. But uh, the day after I graduated high school, I was 17 years old when this happened. And uh, we lived, we were homeless for about 18 months. And the day after I graduated high school, I left for Nashville and my family followed me. So we all relocated <laughs> to Nashville and that was 30, almost 38 years ago. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. What did you expect to find in Nashville when you left versus what did you find? I expected that when I hit town and started distributing my demo tape, because we had cassette tapes back then, yeah, yep. uh, you know, the doors are just going to fly open for me and, and people are going to say, man, where have you been? And <laughs> uh, it wasn't that way at all. As a matter of fact, I would go out every day after um, school. I was in college. Yeah. Well, day after school and take my demo tapes around to uh, record companies and producers that I had read about in some of the gospel music magazines. It, and also artists, if I saw a tour bus sitting alongside the road, I'd pull up and if it was a gospel group, I'd knock on the door. I wouldn't recommend you do that now, you know, this was back <laughs> in the eighties, but, uh, and I remember walking into one producer's office. He didn't have a secretary. Nobody was, manning the door for him he was the only one in his office at that time and I walked in told him what I wanted and he said you have a tape and I said yes and uh, he said let me listen to it so he listened to it uh, about half a song right there on the spot put it in his cassette deck yeah listened to about the first uh, verse and half the chorus and he shut the tape off and he said uh, where did you say you were from and I said Oregon he said, did you move to Nashville specifically to sing gospel music and make that your career? And I said, yes, sir. He said, pack your bags and go home. You'll never make it in this town. Did he really? He sure did. And I was so hurt and so angry. Yeah. But at the time, it was what I needed um, to let me know that, you know, you need to keep refining your, your skill. Mm. And when the door finally does open, it'll be the right time because timing is so important, especially um, you know, when you're at God's timetable, because his timetable and our timetable are never <laughs> right. <laughs> to, our right. calendars never seem to be synced up, you know. But I've learned the hard way that if you do it God's way and his timing, his time is always perfect. So what was out of that particular experience? And maybe there have been other experiences that were kind of as you were moving into, like somebody finally was like, Yeah, no, we want to give you a shot. Or and I don't know what that story looks like, but what was the greatest lesson that you were willing to refine coming out of that? I guess, door slamming or that door shutting. You have to believe in yourself. And if you believe you can do it, you can do it, regardless okay. of what anybody tells you. Um, ironically, 
the first group that I got a job with that gave me a shot was recording for this man's record label. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was about two years after the fact. And um, of course, I never brought it up and he never did either. I don't even think he put two and two together. Still hasn't to this day. Really? Uh, oh, so you're he, still with his recording group? No, no. We, no, no uh, it's been years, but he's became a dear friend. And uh, he's hired me to come in and, and uh, sing sessions on some of his recordings. And he even called me one time years ago. He said he was working with a quartet that had a young bass singer and wanted to know if I'd coach the bass singer, you know. Is that right? Oh, that's so, good. You know, so everything comes back around. What oh. is it? I mean, I think you're going to say your faith in God. That's going to be one thing. But what yeah. are what are some other highlights that got you through some of, like, some of those darkest moments of like, even, I mean, knowing you have to believe in yourself, but there's a switch that has to go on to just kind of keep going when more and more people say no. Well, you have to focus because if you're, you have to know what your goal is and you have to focus mm. on that. I mean, so many people, uh, you know, they want to do all this stuff here, but you've got to focus and you've got to be laser focused on what it is that you want. And then you have to create a network of people that can help you get there. Mm. And so every gospel music event in Nashville, I was there handing out tapes and okay. connections and, and that kind of thing. And the group that gave me my uh, first professional group that I was with, that gave me an opportunity, uh, I had given them one of my demo tapes. And mm. God will place people in your life. There was a, there was a gentleman at this particular convention that I had attended, never met him before. And we just got to talking backstage. I had no business being backstage, but somehow I talked my way back there right. I went on the program that night, got to talking to him. And before the night was over, this is how God works. He was introducing me. He was with a group that was performing. He was introducing me to all of his friends in other groups saying, this is the greatest bass singer I've ever met in my life and he'd never heard me sing a note is and that I, right yeah i asked him i said why are you doing this i said you don't know if i can sing or not he said i can tell by the way you talk you can sing he said so <laughs> and from his introduction uh i got my first professional job and that's back in 1987 wow yeah. so did your family i mean so you're kind of i imagine you're struggling during these years. What's your family doing? I mean, are they still try? Are they trying to break into the gospel music scene too? What are they? What? Are... No, my dad was uh, working for a uh, Bible company, and okay. uh, mom at that time was uh, my homemaker. You know, yeah. My sister uh, was uh, she's ten years younger than me, so she was still living at home, and and I was out on the road riding a, a tour bus and making $150 a week and having to pay my own expenses out of that, you know, oh, man. So, uh, but that was back when you could, uh, you could eat on the road for about 30 bucks a week. You can't even do that one meal now, you know, but, right. but I was able to put $90 a week in my savings account. And, uh, I mean, I was living the dream. I thought, man, I, I had arrived, you know, and it was, <laughs> you know, so if you believe in what you're doing, it's not all about the money. Yeah, no, that's true. That's definitely true. Um, I've asked several musicians. This is always my fascinating question. I'm always curious what your answer is going to be is when did you know it was going to work? Like what would, and I'm not talking about the dream part of it. I'm talking about like the reality part. Like this is, I've been dreaming this and I've keep pushing, but there you cross the line where you go, no, 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 I'm really, I'm going to be able to do this. This is, I'm seeing the money come in or I'm seeing the things happen that are going to actually, this is the life I've wanted, but I've actually created it. Or God's opened the door. I'm not trying to take that out of it, but you right, get what I'm saying. It. I don't know. Um, that happened for me probably 15 years ago. Okay. 
I've been here 35 years, so I, you know, <laughs> I've knocked around town for 20 years, you know, working, you know, for 150 bucks a week, Yeah. Uh, um, you know, uh, doing what I had to do to, to make ends meet, but, uh, you know, probably about 15 years ago, but, but what happened for me was, uh, everything that I set out to do intentionally, uh, really never worked out the way I thought it would. And the things that seemed like accidents at the time or coincidence yeah. are the things that kind of worked. And so one of the things that seemed like an accident at the time was that uh, people started calling me to sing on sessions in the studio. So I started singing on other people's records. And so when I was home now, you know, I have two streams of income, mm. you know, and yeah. uh, so you meet the studio world in Nashville is a whole nother whole nother thing because a lot of times the singers and the musicians that play on the road don't necessarily play well or sing well in the studio oh yeah right uh, two different uh oh. mindsets and so uh we began to i began to get asked to sing on other people's records which was a blessing and that's you know that's how i eventually through the contacts that i made there you know was able to uh you know, work out on the Grand Old Opry, make some connections out there and, and wound up, you know, singing on a couple of Dolly Parton's records and, and, uh, you know, Daly and Vincent, they uh, had a tribute to the Statler Brothers recording that they uh, put out there that was in all the Cracker Barrel stores across the country, got nominated for a Grammy Award, you know, yeah. so, so, you know, a lot of that stuff just kind of happened by accident or so I thought, but you know what, God has a plan. There's no accidents with God. And so I tell people, I said, I wasn't born be a Grammy nominee or Dove Award winner. I wasn't born to sing on the Grand Old Opera or to travel the world. God allowed these things to happen to give me a platform so I can talk about him. Mm. What he has mm. done through me uh, and, and how it's impacted other people. And so that's that's the purpose right there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and imagine you have children. Do you have children? Uh, one son. Who's how old? 40. Okay. So 15 years ago, he was about out of the house or out of the house. This is the point that you realize. So he was raised in a home of like, we're just kind of stringing this together. But we're because you said it was 15 years ago that you were like, yeah. Well, I feel like it I'm was. That was um, I married his mother 14 years ago. So oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so he was already kind of out of the house by the time he and uh, okay. she and I got together. You know, Got so, it. OK. Yeah. OK. Mm -hmm. I understand. I understand. Yeah. I just didn't know. Right. If there were any stories of what it's like to kind of manage a house, it's like, hey, are you sure this is what you ought to keep doing? Where you've got to just kind of keep pursuing the vision that God's given you. Yeah, well, I can tell you that uh, through traveling uh, with other people that have, I've seen people go through that. You have to have a woman that is just as called to this as you are. Because mm. when you're on the road a couple of hundred days a year and the washing machine tears up and the kids are remodeling the house and, you know, and, you know, she's having a bad day. Um, she has to know that, Hey, this is, this is what I'm called to as well to, to support him, be a helpmate to him, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. What was to two different sides of the same coin? Mm -hmm. What were your favorite parts of being out on the road? Favorite kind of, and not necessarily like the moment, but kind of the overall experience. Mm -hmm. And then the other side of that, what was, what was the hardest part about being out on the road? Well, as I have gotten older, the hardest part of just being gone for, you know, days at a time. Mm. Uh, one of my favorite things to do was to travel overseas because the, uh, the audiences overseas, uh, especially in certain parts of the world, certain parts of Africa and the mm. Philippines and certain parts, they don't have anything but Jesus. Right. 
And so, you know, when you go over there and sing gospel music, you know, when we went to uh, the Philippines a few years ago, we had 10,000 people showed up in an outdoor venue for sound check, and there was 30,000 for the concert. <laughs> and then 5,000 of them wanted to do a meet and greet afterwards. You know? so, uh, in Korea, it was the same thing. You know, we were there and sang at a university, and it was, uh, I think, 40 American dollars per seat in the place was a 4,000 seat venue. We turned a thousand away the first night, 800 away the second night. And the people wanted to do a meet and greet. It was two, two and a half hours. And so in America, we are so blessed. Yeah. That our blessings have become our curse. And as mm. the Bible said, you know, we're, we kind of sit back as Americans. A lot of times we don't even realize we do it. Say, you know what? We're, we're fat. We're rich. We are in need of nothing because yeah. God blessed us, but our blessings have become our curse in a lot of ways. Mm, yeah. I, I like to say, I mean, it's the comfort is our struggle. Right? Absolutely. absolutely. But when we're so comfortable, we look for problems. That's right. You yep. know, but you're yep. right. I mean, the rest of the world, people who are dealing with poverty and all they've got is Jesus. It's a, it makes mm -hmm. a big difference. Absolutely. It makes a big difference. Why don't, I mean, there's some other stories you may want to tell, but I thought it was interesting when we were start before we started the show, Kind yeah. of like what God started doing over the last few years, especially mm -hmm. your COVID experience and things like that. I'd love for you to kind of tell my audience about that, if you don't mind. Oh, no, I'd be glad to. Um, about 15 months ago, uh, I was diagnosed with double COVID pneumonia and acute respiratory failure. Mm. And uh, so I drove myself to the ER because my wife, she wasn't feeling good. I didn't want to call an ambulance and have you know, all the nosy neighbors, you know, looking out the window what's going on over there, you know? Right. So I just drove myself and, and walked in the ER, collapsed in their chair. And they said, uh, Mr. Pearls, are you aware that your heart rate's 247 beats a minute and your oxygen level is 67% and falling? And uh, the next thing I knew, I was taking a very quick ride to the ER mm. and I put on a gurney and I had about four technicians begin to work on me. I, they put me on 55 liters of oxygen. The third night, in the uh, hospital, I found out that the pastor that we had uh, just ministered at their church 10 days prior had passed away oh, uh, wow. from COVID. And uh, six people in that congregation wound up on ventilators. And it was a very small church of 125 people. Mm. And so that was a very dark night for me. But I watched the sun come up the next morning. And I told the Lord, my oxygen level wasn't up out of the mid 70s. You know, I I tried to sit up in the bed and the alarms would go off and the nurses would come, I'd cough and it was horrible. But um, I watched the sun come up the next morning. I told the Lord, I said, thank you for allowing me mm. see another sunrise. And I want you to heal me, Lord. But if you see fit for this to be as good as it's going to get for me, then I'll figure out a way to serve you in this condition. And then I said, if it wouldn't be too much trouble, I said, would you send somebody by my room today to tell me I'm going to be okay? Mm. Three hours later, this nurse appears in my doorway. He looks at my chart. He looks at me in the bed. He comes over. He said, are you the same Jeff Pearls I know? I said, I don't know. Who are you? You know, <laughs> He had a shield and two or three masks, you know, come to find out. Now we're in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. Yeah. And to come to find out it was a kid that I had ridden the school bus with in Oregon in grade school. No. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he comes in and, and, uh, he said, I'm, going to go talk to your doctor about a couple of things. But before he left, he said, um, I just want you to know that my wife and I are going to be praying for you and you're going to be okay. Mm. Man, I just broke because I saw God's hand 
at work yeah. even in the midst yeah. of all of this, you know? So long story short, nine days later, I came home. My doctor told me, he said, you'll probably never sing again. He said, your lungs are so scarred. He said, your road to recovery is going to be extremely long. You're going to be on oxygen indefinitely. Maybe the rest of your life, we don't know. Mm. Got home, was on oxygen at home. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit told me, said, um, you need to get to the beach to where you'll be able to sit by the beach. That salt air, you know, can yeah. heal your lungs. So my wife started trying to find a, a, a room down there at the beach in Florida somewhere. And this is in June. Everybody's on vacation. We can't find anything. Right. But she just kept on very uh, diligently. And she said, I finally found one. Well, it was down in South Florida. So we drove down there. Eric, when I got there, I couldn't even walk from the parking garage to the, uh, to the room without having to sit down. And just, yeah. So she would sit up in the room and she would work until about three o'clock every afternoon. I'd go down and sit by the beach and try to walk. Can I tell you that by the end of day four, I was walking four miles on the beach. No, you weren't. I were, I was. Wow. God is my witness. So we got home and my wife and I, we had been uh, investing in real estate. That's a whole nother story about how that kind of com yep. com happened. It came from uh, being homeless that I talked about earlier. But anyway, um, I told her, I said, we need to buy us a condo. And so we couldn't have a place to go, but also, uh, that we can open it up to other people to find healing just like we did. Mm, mm. And so, uh, I called a friend of mine that I knew that had some condos in Panama city beach. And I said, Hey, my wife and I are thinking about, uh, maybe looking into buying one. And they said, well, come on down. We're, we're going to be down there. So we came down, kind of told them what we were wanting to do. And uh, they said, meet us for dinner. So we met at a little restaurant there in Panama city. And they said, um, we've been talking about it and we have a unit that we'd like to sell you if you're interested. So we went over and looked at it and uh, prayed about it. And the place has been anointed, prayed over. Yeah. So we just, uh, have asked the Lord to send people there that, you know, want to create memories for their family, but also need to be healed in some way. Mm, that's, mm. you know, that's really a, a tool that God's allowed us to have in our hands that we can use to bless other people. So I'm going to ask you a question you may not be able to answer, but it just, okay. as you keep talking about this, I want to know if you, so one of my experiences, a lot of times, um, you know, some people, you're talking about, you know, I kind of felt God tell me this and I felt God yeah. say this. And one of the greatest right. experiences I've had from people who are like, how do you hear from God? Right. How does that happen? And so I'd love to just kind of hear from you, your overall experience, especially for people who maybe struggle with that. Yeah. Do you have any advice for people kind of in that place of what's the best way to put yourself in a position to really know the voice of the Lord? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because so many times we uh, get the voices in our head confused with God's voice, but That's good. you know, um, I have never heard the audible voice of God. Okay. I'll just say that, but, but sometimes God communicates to us, uh, me with thoughts. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll have a crazy thought and I'll think, okay, surely that can't be the Lord, but then my wife will confirm it or somebody mm -hmm. else at church will confirm it. Yeah. So that's one way that God uses to communicate and to, you know, to make himself known is using other people to confirm what you think is a crazy thought, right. you know? And, uh, um, I'll just tell you a quick story. When I got home from the hospital, I got home on a Sunday night 
And on Tuesday night, I'm laying in my bed. I wake up at 3.30 in the morning. It's pitch dark in my room, but I felt God's presence in my room. Hmm. And I just heard him say to me, I'm going to raise you back up. I'm going to give you your voice back, but you need to start singing now. Well, you had to understand that up until this point, I had no voice. I, I couldn't even breathe hardly, but yeah. I began to sing. And my voice was just as clear as it ever was. Uh, what? Yeah. And, and I sang until six o'clock that morning. I drifted back off to sleep. Well, I got up the next morning, had my oxygen on, you know, and came and spoke to my wife. And she said, your voice is back. I said, yeah, God healed it last night. Mm. And uh, 45 days after that, we called the oxygen company. So we don't need your oxygen anymore. And I was singing at a camp meeting in Ohio. I mean, it was a little bit difficult, but I wept the whole Oh, wow. Uh, the whole way through that, because that was God's fulfillment of his promise to me, what he said was going to happen. And it happened, mm. you know, so, you know, I think that God uses other people uh, to confirm things. And a lot of times when you're talking about, you know, hearing God's voice, if it seems, if whatever God's telling you to do seems utterly ridiculous or so far beyond your ability, then it's probably God. <laughs> <laughs> But he'll use other people to confirm it. You That's know. right. That's uh, right. I think that the spirit, you know, so we I, need. I'm going to ask you to probably confirm this. I bet that this is true. But, um, you know, the, my experience is the more you walk into, well, I wonder if that was God and then ask for confirmation and look for people. But the more, like you said, sometimes it's the crazy stuff and it's the obedience and the crazy stuff that teaches you how to hear him better. That's right. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, we met at a conference we were both speaking at. And yep. one of the one of the things that um, that I brought out in my presentation was uh, that whenever you feel like God's given you an idea, one of the things that you can test it by is, does it include God's people? Mm. God's not going to give you an idea that won't bless his people. And so, you know, if it's just something that you're wanting to do just because you want to do it, that may just be you or bad pizza, <laughs> right? whatever, you know, but yeah. Well, I'm going to add on to that and it will glorify him, not you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You right. know, if you're looking for fame and fortune out of the, the word, it's probably you and not him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jeff, is there anything that we didn't get to get into that you wanted to share or you feel called to share while we're visiting here? You know, I just want to say this, that, your talk that you gave mm. out in Nebraska when we were both out there really got me to thinking. And at this stage of the game, you know, your whole, I would, I would just recommend anybody, if they've not heard your uh, talk on ROI and, and your book, I've read your book. Uh, what if we're doing it all wrong? Get, get the book and read <laughs> it. Um, but you know, ROI, one of the ROIs was return on impact. And yeah. that's, that's really kind of, where I'm at right now. I want everything that I do to have the maximum impact on the maximum number of people for the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Well, I, you know, this is coming. You said you listened to some episodes. My last question is <laughs> always going to be the same in three generations. What do you hope your great grandchildren remember about you? You know, I wrote a song several years ago that I think sums it up. And it says, one day all they'll have is a faded photograph. Mm. Remind them of the man I used to be. There'll be things that they recall. But I pray above it all, the love of Jesus is what remains with me. Mm. Well, that's beautiful. 
I love that. That's pretty much it. Yeah. You know, that's pretty much it. Just let God use you. Let him lead you. It's not a sin to accumulate things, but make sure you're blessing God's people. Yeah. While you're doing it. Cause it's not, he's not allowing you to accumulate all of this for your own kingdom. It's for mm. you to pass it on and be a reservoir. Oh, I love that. I love that. We like to say, be a pipe, not a bucket. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey Jeff, if people want to follow you, you st um, you're still doing music. You've got music you've done in the past. People want to kind of track down things that you've done or stay in touch with you or kind of where you've been and what you're doing. What's the best way for them to do that? Well, for the music stuff, uh, you can go to khofficial.org. Uh, the uh, name of the group's the King's Heralds. It's a group I sing, sing with at this point. And uh, you can reach out to me on Facebook, um, on Messenger, if you want to get in touch with me there, or the real estate stuff, uh, Jeff Pearls at Exit Real Estate Solutions, my Facebook page there. So okay, I'm easy to find. Awesome. Jeff, thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you for it's having me. a pleasure. Me. Hey, next time you come to Nashville, holler at me. I'd love to take you out. I, I would love that. Well, I was in Nashville briefly about a month ago, but it wasn't okay. long enough. So, okay. Well, hey, next time come long enough for my wife and I would love to treat you to a good meal. Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate right. that. Jeff, thank you so much for being with us. Everyone will be with you again on the next show. Thank you so much for being with us today. God bless you. Have a fantastic day. Eric L. Dunavit here. Thank you so much for joining us for Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. If you're a business owner or a family who is actively redefining success or have thoughts on kingdom impact or generational prosperity, and you would like to be a guest on the show, then I invite you to apply. Visit www.ericldunavit.com dot com slash podcast slash apply. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to share that either through text or social media. Take a screenshot of the show and share that and share what you learned. If you know anyone that should be a guest on our show, we would also love for you to connect us to them. The best way to do that is to use hashtag redefining success. I love to read your thoughts and shares on social media. And we also are honored just to get any recommendations of people that you think we should be interviewing on the show. We are constantly adding new content, adding new podcasts. So first and foremost, I'm going to recommend that you subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. Also, you, all of your likes, your reviews, your shares, all of that makes a big difference to the show. So if you'll include those when you can, we definitely appreciate it. If you'd like to get in touch with me, visit www.ericl360.com and all of my connections to social and other ways to get in touch with me are there. This is Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist, signing off until next time.